Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems. But getting therapy has its own problems, too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and, of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. The GA Hour with Colin Parkinson is brought to you by Paddy Power, home of the Money Back Special. And when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I should go. And so I opened up. We were only the small little fish out there, so we are. And uh, we're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the breaks when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know. And it's just, I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Walford today because, like, I, I'm, heart, I'm heartbroken. <laughs> Is it fair to say, Cheddar, that this has been a very disappointing Munster Championship so far? Um, I suppose when you, I suppose when you're comparing it to last year, um, you know, one might say that, um, you know, probably Cork and Limerick was, you know, probably the closest, and even that wasn't that hugely close. Um, but you know, we're probably saying that because um, there's been a few, you know, pretty pretty, pretty big beatings from in, in different games. Um, but I'd point out that you know the games that are coming up have serious consequences. Even the next round has serious cons- consequences for a lot of teams, no more so than Limerick. Yeah. Um, and you know, I suspect that you know these games are going to be fought tooth and nail. Um, I think there's probably a couple of little things about that. Will you really? Um, I suppose. Um, well, first of all, in hurling, I've said this a number of times last year. You know, I think where hurling has gone now, when a team gets momentum in a game um, and gets a run on another team, it's very, very difficult to break that momentum. Um, and the quality of forwards is so good. I mean, we, you know, we're, we've been talking about Tipperary, we've been talking about Cork, and some of the, the quality of the forwards is so good at the minute that you know they can put scores on the board very, very quickly, and you know you can get a pretty big beat and pretty quickly, and you're out of the game very, very, very quickly. Yeah. I think the other side of that as well is um, you know we're learning some things about the new format here and the new format is the generally speaking you're playing week on week um, so you know you, you know you're not out of the championship it's not do or die really in the game and you know you've got to prepare for, for a game again the following Sunday if that's the way the schedule falls for you um, so I think there's a number, number of things that's going to you know have a bit of a bearing on it and I'd probably say as well look in 10 years time if the same format stays there you'll find that there'll be some years where the start was brilliant like last year and it continued right through it and you'll find other years that it was good at the start and bad at the end 
or something like that. That's just the nature of things. It's not going to be brilliant all of the time. But I suspect that with the games that are coming up and, you know, with what's at stake, that, you know, I think you'll have much more competitive um, close games um, because look in probably in both championships Woolley in Leinster and in Munster there are certainly four teams that are you know are going to go neck and neck here for three places so you know even the next round is absolutely crucial Yeah well, I think I think the Hurling Championship needs it I, I saw a line Sean Moran had a piece in the Irish Times and he's saying Eamon O'Shea remarked some years ago that heavy defeats weren't as debilitating in hurling because on a given day any out, out of sorts team can take a disproportionate hiding and it got me thinking that, like, I mean, he he's probably right. Like, Limerick All-Ireland Champions were beaten by 11 points in Ennis. Just shook, shook, shook it off and got on about their business. Kilkenny were well beaten by eight in Salt Hill in the group stage last year. That was with a consolation goal. And they were able to draw with Galway a few weeks uh, later. Cork recovered this year after getting hammered by tip. Is there kind of a thing in, like, if a, if a Gaelic football team, for example, got hammered, to be demoralised like, can hurling shake off a hammering knowing how quickly a, a lead can kind of slip away from you in uh, hurling I, I, I think it depends really um, you know you, 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 once you know you're still in the championship you have to and you know you have to both your management and the players have got to regroup and, and reset themselves again for the following week um, and I think that's one of the things that, that is to be explained to teams that you know you could fall to a 10 pint beating or 15 pint beating we know which is a fair old beating but you could have just you could have just drop your guard and your intensity levels and your work rate levels and your game plan might work for you or you might be able to negate the opposition or something like that it could be you know two or three small things and you might raise the game 5% the next day and be very very competitive I suppose the point that I make and I think the point that Eamon is, is, is alluding to as well is that you know you can only just drop your performance by a small margin now and be well beaten that wasn't the case a couple of years ago you know if you were anyway competitive at all the game was only going to be maybe three or four point difference it's very very different now principally because of the quality of the player and the quality of game plans and systems and all of those things that counties are, are, are bringing into the game here Yeah do you think there's an element of because it's a league and you're not out if you lose that suddenly you find yourself 12 points down to tip with with uh, 10 minutes ago and you don't try for the last 10 minutes and you conserve energy ah, like, no, I don't think, go no I don't think so I, I think look there might be merit in that actually Willie Yeah um, just we'll give this up and we'll come back strong yeah. nearly like you know in darts when you're well behind in yes. one leg you write that off and you come yeah. back you've the throw the next one I think there is merit in, there is actually probably some merit in that to be honest with you if you were playing a, a critical game the following weekend but um, um, it'd be very very risky to do that because you know you're really denting the pride you have in playing for your county and all, all of the things that you hold dear and all of the values that you hold dear yeah. if you were to say that as a management or even as a set of players uh, were to say that um, I, I just think that you know you lose an awful lot of things other than your freshness for the following Sunday or something like that Yeah I want to talk to you remind me to talk to you about when we're talking about Clare talk to you about systems because Anthony Daly was talking about there's too much talk about systems and you know we like to talk about systems Cheddar so we'll have to have a chat about that um, when, we, when we get around to talk about Clare so I want to talk to you about Waterford because obviously Waterford or one team that haven't recovered from hammering so they've taken two hammerings now in a row and a, a pretty flat performance you would say against Clare in the first round as well where a, a late rally kind of made it close but they hadn't played brilliantly right throughout the game so it looks like the players have down tools Austin Gleeson's off at half time um, Eddie Brennan said early on the week there's a lot more to this I think than meets the eye so like I mean there's a lot of talk I've been ringing around about this and apparently like, it's hard to even pin down who's at fault here because 
Porrick Fanning's doing his best and I don't want to be too critical of him. Maybe there's been a lot of criticism of him around but this is definitely not working because the players, from my information, didn't want Porrick Fanning. The players had two or three suggestions um, that went to the county board initially. One was Pat Ryan from Cork. He had an interview with the county board. The players had sourced him and the players, there's some of them live with the Kula lads up in Dublin um, and they sourced Maddie Kenny for the county board and the county board interviewed both of them. And my information is that the, that these both these interviews fell down regarding the budget for the senior hurling team. So Porrick Fanning was willing to, to I think Maddie Kenny and Pat Ryan were asked or were told the budget and they said that wouldn't be enough and then they were told that, that they'd have to fundraise the rest themselves and they're not in a position to do that. Apparently Derek McGrath did an awful lot of fundraising a bit like Jim McGuinness up in Donegal that he went out and you know it's his own county and he went trying to get funds in himself. So you've Pat Ryan pulling out in the last minute and you've Maddie Kenny pulling out um, as well or that, that wasn't made um, as public and then you have the players a little bit disgruntled with the county board and then Porrick Fanning comes in and then there was some issues with the Bally Gunner lads at the start and um, like I mean Peter Hogan was dropped and then asked back and I think some of the Bally Gunner lads and it just hasn't like even getting into the league final that, that was papering over a few cracks because they were um, we know the league meant nothing this year you know what I mean you look at any of the league form it didn't follow on through anyway so that was kind of neither here nor there so I think like the, the way my, here's my take on a cheddar and I'll get yours then if the players didn't want Porrick Fanning they should have put their foot down at the start of the year if they didn't do that well then they should play for Porrick Fanning until the year is over and then do it like going out and not trying you're only fooling yourself, not your actual manager. Like, I mean, I don't get that. Or else drop off the panel. I did it Manny's a year if your heart isn't in it. Like, what's, I would never go out on the field for leash and not try because I don't like the manager. Sure, that you're, you're not getting back at the manager. You're not winning any battle there, are you? Um, yeah, there's a lot of points in that, Willie, and, and um, I'll, I'll deal with them. Maybe not in the sequence that, that you've listed them. Um, first of all, on the, on the uh, you know, in terms of the players didn't, didn't want it, um, Look, I, look. It, media did have that uh, Pat Ryan and that Matty Kenny um, were being um, interviewed by Waterford County Board, um, and you made the point about self fundraising and that. Um, look, that's where it is. Um, let's not dodge the bullet there for a wa- for a county um, that is not at the top that may not be able to attract you know serious uh, um, investment and in that into the county. Um, you know, you as a management um, have got to replace that. You know, are you going to go in and give it a half-cooked shot um, in managing the team and that? No, you're not. You're going to give it everything. You manage absolutely everything because your county board may not be able to do that for you. And just simply to say no to Pat Ryan and to Matty Kenny is not an issue for Parry Fanning. It's an issue for Waterford County Board yeah. based on finance and that. Um, and I, I, I'd, I'd urge some caution about that as well. I've been on both sides of the fence. I've been in, on an, in, an, in a group uh, looking for a manager and I was a manager and I can tell you there's always lots of names being thrown out there and I know myself from my former role that a lot of names were thrown out there that that you know were not in the picture at all um, so I think we need to be really careful about you know what, what that is we also also uh, your county needs to be really careful in how it chooses its manager its manager you know is this driven by three or four players and let's just think of that for a minute let's say um, let's say I'm a tall player that likes an air game uh, you know, I may want a certain type of a manager. 
The other three yeah. forwards or four forwards may want a completely different type of game and chose a different type of manager. So, you know, so where do you go? Um, so I think it's really, really important. And I'm, I'm not sure if this happened in Waterford. I presume it did happen in Waterford. I'm pretty sure it did. That, you know, people who, who um, you know, have expertise in knowing what's needed at county management select a manager. When you do that, you may interview 10 or 12, not two. And you may decide after this, having taken all of the evidence and all of the, the things on board, that this is the right man. You, you've got to manage a lot of things. It's not just necessarily, um, you know, the profile of the man or who wants who. You, there's a whole pile of things you need to look at here. What's the best for the team? What's the best fit for the team? What's the best fit for even the things, the periphery of the team? You mentioned finance a minute ago. That also comes into it. So it's not just necessarily just picking a, a name or something like that. Matty Kenny would have been on... I can tell you, on an awful lot of counties um, list, and rightly yeah. so, he won two club All Irelands, and you know was a coach in an All Ireland, and, and rightly so. Um, so, so you know that, that these things happen the whole time, and and they happen the whole time in selection of managers. And sometimes then, when you know some things are just going through a rough period, all these things get thrown up in media and other other areas, and they're just thrown out there without any evidence to support them whatsoever. And I'll just go back to your other point. I think. Um, Woolly, there's been a lot of comments over the top, particularly by panellists and, and, and by some former county managers. Um, and I think I think panellists are not held accountable for what they say, but they need to be really, really responsible for the comments that they make. And they have a responsibility that unless you can sort of back things up with facts, you need to be careful with your choice of words. And look, I, I'll go to another comment. I mean, I, I think Dale made a comment um, that John Myler had lost the Cork dressing room there after the game to tip and clearly he hadn't and John Myler is a is a, 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 in a serious role with CIT coached an awful lot of those at underage level um, and so on and so on and then come out the following Sunday and gave the performance they gave now there may have been a lot of soul searching during that week but if you had lost the, the, the dressing room well you know well uh, from how, how these things work if you lose the dressing room you never get it back and you know throwing around sort of loose comments like that without substantiating it with real hard facts is not helpful and you know it, 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 it it's it's sort of incendiary comments in the dressing room because if somebody of that stature says it and you know I, I, I like all everybody else jumps on the bandwagon then you know whether they know it or whether they don't and particularly with the way social media and everything is going at the minute with, with no facts whatsoever to support them all of these things get thrown out um, so I think you know particularly panellists and that um, I, I think you've got to, to you know, have the evidence to back up. If you're making a, a, a comment like that, you've got to have some sort of evidence to back it up. Um, and I'd probably say as well, just add it to that, um, Woolly, and you're probably going to disagree with me on this. Um, there's a little bit of jockeying for sensationalism in panellists and that as well. Um, and I think particularly hurling people and particularly county managers or former county managers, we all know how this works. And I've no difficulty whatsoever in calling performance and those type of things but you know so, some of the comments um, you know I, I've been disappointed with what Eddie said as well saying there's something going on that doesn't beat the eye here well unless you're absolutely sure what that is um, you know you can't say that because maybe there isn't and and uh, you know that type of stuff is undermines uh, a dressing room big time and once it's, once it's gone you don't get it back um, and I, I'd probably say a, a couple of other points on that, Woolly. But there seems to be more to it than meets the eye with Waterford, though, Cheddar. Because ah, well, it, does, it does look like the players have, in some way, uh, down tools. Uh, look, like 
that's you know so what's your measure of that here's what I saw um, and particularly against well, we, ha- we have the evidence that that the players wanted other managers we have the evidence uh, we have the evidence that Austin Gleeson's not try not trying with Parik Mahan he's not trying that they're going down badly at home there's like there's a lot of you might call it circumstantial evidence to it's say absolutely that absolutely circumstantial but not I, I have haven't heard a word you've said that would stand up in any court at the minute will you? <laughs> no. and, and what I would say to that is this um Austin Leeson is a magnificent player um, and I just you, you use a couple of the examples you used but most of the time I've seen Ossie play really really well it was when he was coming as a loose player off of the half-back line or off of midfield into play um, and you know it may very well be that a management team in Warford may make bet different use out of Ossie and it takes a while to actually get that to work and I've seen him play in the league a couple of times di- uh, this year earlier on and I just didn't think he was clicking and, and going well now look that could be one-to-one man management um, I don't know the details um, but it, it isn't that um, Ozzy was shooting the lights out and you know driving Watford over the line last year and suddenly now he's down tools I, I don't see that and I know Ozzy Gleeson is a club mate of Porig's as well um, so I, I just I suppose I just want to challenge the loose talk Willie yeah. around it and the other point I would make is that um, you know Limerick played with a, you know, Tipperary played with a real system, and we'll talk about it a little bit later on against Clare. And Clare had to do something to try and break the momentum of it and, and so on. And But, you know, we said that at the start of the show here that there is going to be some big beatings in hurling. Once teams get momentum like that, you're going to get a number of beatings in that in it. Um, so, so I, 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 you know, the same could be happening in Watford. I don't know. Um, but I, I just think that the lowest commentary around it without real sort of hard evidence or facts to back it up and just saying that the players wanted somebody else I can tell you in every county that was going the players wanted somebody else some players wanted somebody else not all yeah. and look that's just the nature of things um, so you don't have a problem with players sourcing a manager like it's not like they're interviewing him but they, players might have connections or might know a lad in another college that knows this lad it's alright for players to nominate a manager absolutely. isn't it uh, and I think what's crucial is and what didn't happen for a long number of years was that the manager was sourced without any input whatsoever from the players and I think the, you know the selection group that, that's going to select a manager their first people to speak to is the team and they need to sort of understand um, the needs of the team where the team wants to go their ambitions the type of player that they want um, and there, there wouldn't be much point in for example uh, getting a manager who favours a long game with a team that plays a possession game you know those type yeah. of they're sort of fundamental things that yeah. I would expect everybody to know um, but equally you need to be very very careful that people aren't looking for favourite managers to suit their type of game and that as well that's not individually driven in that um, and I suspect that won't be the case and, and I'd, I'd, I'd say also there's an old saying be careful for what you look for um, because look if you look at year one in Galway with Michal and, and Franny and Noel um, you'd probably say it was an average year and year two they went along and won in All-Ireland very same thing happened in Limerick with John and, 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 uh, and with the lads yeah, Limerick's a better example definitely but, Limerick's but, a, good, a good example good Galway example. were beaten in an All-Ireland semi-final and you, could, and you could say last, you could say look look even more close um, you know I've been disappointed with, with the way Kevin Martin was treated um, you know did, did the bounce happen with the new management team well look they didn't win the game I suppose so so I, I suppose it's just be careful for what you look for now I will certainly say this and make this very very clear if things are broken in the dressing room you need to get them fixed simple as that um, and I suppose this brings us back Wooly, to another point 
Is there a sort of a management process between county board, the team and the county management team that regularly keeps the finger on the pulse? So the people who select the manager, are they held on board maybe for a monthly meeting with the team and the management just to tick-tack that everything's going OK and, you know, we're, we're, we're getting the best out of the team and so on, so on, so on? Um, I don't think it is. Um, and I don't know of any county that actually does that. I stand corrected on that. The, the, the real difficulty in that is that the people that manage the county team in terms of the, of the executive at county board level, level rarely have the expertise of knowing what's needed to manage county teams to then be able to have a management process in place to talk to players and to talk to management and that. I think that's a little piece that's missing that I think would be helpful. Yeah, no, it definitely would. It'll be interesting to see what happens the next day now, whether Fanning will wield the axe on players or whether he's going... Now, Fanning didn't cover himself in glory tactically against Limerick, you'd, ha- you'd have to say. So, like, I mean, it's just... I, 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 I think... I think I, I do agree with that. I think the facts, I have no problem in in, uh, discussing the facts and the performance and that. And I think there's things that, you know, if you were back, you might do things differently. Um, But I'm just going back to that original point that, you know, when teams get momentum on you, particularly with some, you know, serious system ways. And you could say the same about uh, Jerry and Donald with Clare last Sunday. I think somebody was critical of bringing back an extra defender in the second half, um, you know, when they were playing with a win and with a breeze and that. Um, but look, I, I can say it's very, very difficult when momentum goes against you and the other team um, probably gets a foothold on top of you and, and, and that. It's very difficult to break that. As we all know that, this is not new to any yeah. of us. It's difficult. To, it's even more difficult now to do it and it's even more difficult in hurling because the scoring range is so far and it's you've got the legs of Noel McGrath scoring from his own half back line he can put three pints on the board and put you out of the game in, in a couple of minutes um, so it's a little bit more difficult to do that is the point I'm just trying to make here now, but I do want to go back to that point Willie um, I, I don't want to be just seen to, to to back the status quo or anything like that if things are broken they need to get fixed but not not getting fixed based on innuendo and and you know what people want to say and and on, on, on TV and radio and those type of things. You got to go and speak to the key people involved. Um, and if if things can get fixed and put back together, great. And if they're not broken, if they can't be put back together, well, then you've got to change things. Yeah, no, exactly. And in fairness to Eddie Brennan, or in fairness to any others, they might be hearing some things and you know hearing maybe information from relations are from it's very hard to hear from the actual camp but you can hear from people associated with camp things aren't going well in there and maybe you don't ha- you don't have to be leaving names or saying I was talking to such and such so you can only allude to it you know so like I mean I would be I, I wouldn't think lads are necessarily all of them would be throwing stuff out like that completely off the top of their heads you might be you might be you might have a someone down in Waterford that you know well but you're not going to start naming names you know I, 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 I disagree with that Wally um, I, I think there's been way way too much of that um, I think even the, I think Don Logue made the point um, I think someone needs to go well, clearly that's only one person. And, and um, you know, I'm not going to defend parties well able to defend themselves. They're, I'm not going to defend managers are well able to defend themselves. The reason they're managers is because they're hard-edged people. Um, but unless you have facts, those things are incendiary in the dressing room. And we know that. And, you know, Don Logue was was a coach with Clare and, and will be a manager of, again of Cork or, or whoever. Um, and, you know, saying those sort of things are are not helpful, is all I'll say, yeah. in a dressing room. They're definitely more hard-hitting the Sunday game, lads. Like, Jackie Terrell was calling Clare a bad junior beat, or ja- bad junior team. They're, they're definitely, I don't know, maybe they're being told to be a little bit more opinionated this year or something. They're de- usually hurling analysts aren't as, as hard on, on teams as that. Yeah, no, look, I, I, I'm just making that point that, that you know, if you have a comment or a, or a particularly a hard opinion that may very well be 
um, you know, hurtful to a dressing room. You know, I think you should be able to back that up. And if you don't, you know the, the, the consequences of that, of what you're saying. And you know the consequences now in terms of social media and all the other things as well. Um, so I, I think people need to be more responsible. I, I, I'd qualify all of that in saying, um, you know, you don't want to be a sheep here either and not say things as they are. But unless you have facts to back that up, uh, be responsible about your comments. Yeah. OK, great stuff, Cheddar. We'll move on and we'll talk about Kilkenny and Galway next. I'd never be allowed to go off in eight and hate a shite like him and go off a slob or whatever. Like, I was always doing a bit. I, all I remember is I thought I was going to get clobbered on the way in there. I threw the ball up in there. I don't know. It was, it was pure luck, no appearance. Pure luck. I it's fucking bullshit. Have you seen yourselves? Okay, so we've team news from Kilkenny, and it's good news, Cheddar. So Killian Buckley is back. Kilkenny, amazingly, have played a full round of championship games, as you'll know yourself, since they played Carlo, so which is incredible stuff. So Killian Buckley is back. James Marr made a return to action. He came on as a sub. Uh, Richie Hogan um, played for Dainsford. Uh, Joey Holden is back as well. So this is a huge plus for Kilkenny, who, in fairness, when the hatches were battled down, got over two uh, difficult games. Mm. And everyone tipping Dublin. Now they have two games left. Their cavalry's coming back. One's a big home game against Galway. Didn't do well against Galway last year. But, you know, it's looking an awful lot stronger for them this year than than it was a month ago. Yeah, no, that's that's true, Willie. Um, look, they have two very difficult games to come, I suppose, that they're playing Galway, obviously, in Nolan Park, and they're playing Wexford away. Yeah. Um, and they, they definitely have to win one of those to, to, to get through. Um, uh, look, if any county, or if any three counties, um, could handle a, an injury crisis like Kenny had, they're probably the only ones that could. Um, so Kilkenny, Cork, um, Limerick now um, and Tipperary um, probably could handle that because of the volume of quality players. And that's why they're always in the top five counties. More than any other thing, the culture in the county is just so hurling oriented and they have a huge volume of quality players to be able to draw on. But to just go back to your point, um, they have actually a lot of injured players coming back at the right time. Um, you mentioned Joey Holden, of Luke Scanlon, Niall Brazel. Um, and Colin Fenley looks to be okay Owen Murphy is probably a number of weeks away Well, Colin Fenley back I was reading he might be out it was a hamstring I'd say he mightn't start but right. you know he's, he's not that far away anyway uh, Conor Delaney I think might be a little bit further away um, yeah he is so so you know they're serious players and you know if you go back to you know the the, the legendary Kilkenny training and that you know having that quality of player in there pushing everybody else well they just simply raise his performance of everybody you have to play well in training and look we all know you know training reflects the way the game is going to go um, so I'd say Brian's getting back to I suppose the you know the principles of you know of his type of management that he had a number of years ago huge competitiveness um, huge physicality in training and simply bring that to the field in the following Sunday Yeah so does Killian Buckley come straight back in at number 6 we know Porrick Walsh has done so well there since he was put back against Dublin he steadied the ship there what 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 happens now with these fellas all back? Does James Marr come back into midfield, guaranteed? 
does Richie Hogan start? Richie Hogan probably come on as a, an impact sub, but Killian Buckley, I'd imagine, comes straight back in at number no, six. Look, I, I'd say, Woolley, you just need to look at what Brian has done over 20 years. He simply picks what's the performance in front of him. Um, so, unless you're at any training sessions for the last fortnight or so, it would tell you, you know, whether to come in or not. I think, you know, he simply doesn't pick on names, or I, I can't remember an instance when he just picked a name. Actually, there was an awful lot of times when he went the other way. Um, so, I think he just bases, bases it purely on the quality of the player in front of him and what they can do and a little bit have with an eye of course on the opposition as well and that's an interesting one because you know what goal we're going to bring to Nolan Park maybe in the full forward line might be something a little bit different um, you know Paul Murphy Hugh Lawler, or Tommy Welsh uh, may not want a type of Johnny Lynn player in there um, you know in terms of an air game uh, raining down on top of them and that you know so Brian may look at something else or he might, might look at something different to, to, to fix that but just going back to that general point really um, the, the, the injured players coming back and the quality of training, um, he just simply has to pick the per- based on the performance and training, and that's all. That's what he's done always, and and it has served him fairly well. Yeah, do you think that I was reading uh, quotes from Derek McGrath, and he was saying, "I have a feeling there's a big performance coming from Galway." Then everything could take take off. Canning comes back now. I don't. Canning's not back for this one, but amazingly, he might be back for the last one against Dublin. Um, Adrian too, he's to come back. Joseph Cooney gets up to speed. Johnny Glynn maybe starts. Galway are being written out, but one performance could act as a catalyst for them being contenders that we all, you know, know they can be. Like I mean, that that's that's true enough. Like Galway are just have floated through this year. Like I mean, are, are, like I I have a funny feeling that there could be a big performance, and there's no better team you know to know they have to bring it and it's a test of whether they will bring it I think Willie look they still obviously have a huge amount of confidence in themselves they were you know they're all Ireland champions just a year ago and they've got a lot of quality in their team a lot of physicality in their team um, so they have a huge amount of things that, that you know are the sort of fundamentals of a successful team and a, and a successful performance but you'd be a little bit concerned that they sort of haven't found any sort of flow recently in games and they look a little bit stop-start and they're changing things around a little bit. Um, and you'd be concerned about a couple of little things as well. Um, you know, Joe's, uh, Joe Canning is obviously missing, um, but you would have expected that within the team, leaders would have stood up and grabbed the game at a scruff of the neck and grabbed the team at a scruff of the neck and drove it on. And we just haven't seen enough of that Um and there's two other points I'd like to make on it as well without commenting on the Joe effect. Um, they've obviously got to reintegrate, um, you know, some key players. Joe Coney and, and as I said, Johnny Glynn, you know, may very well be a key player in the team and decided the way that the game's played play and that. OK, they've had a chance to, to re- reintegrate him recently with Wexford and that, but it probably takes a little bit more than to do than that. And what other comment I'd make... Um, I think Michal and Franny and Noel have looked at a lot of young players in Gala for the last couple of years and it's another county that I would see with a huge volume of young quality players. I mean, there's probably more All-Ireland medal winners in Galway of absolute class that didn't even make it at senior level and I could name a pile of them here including the likes of Carol Wade and all of those um, who didn't make it. Um, so there's obviously a huge value of them there. But but when you look back on it, like, you know, you have the likes of Grealish, um, Hussey, uh, Loftus, you know, Concannon's getting some games now. And they're still going back to Davy Glennon and that to come on to rescue the performance and that. And, and that surprises me a little bit that that they haven't re-energised the team, I suppose, by young players. Now, I'd have savage respect for Michal and for and for, and for Franny and, and that in terms of they know what they're seeing and they know what it takes to win. You know, they, all these guys have managed at a very, very high level. Two of them have, have won All-Ireland club medals with teams from Galway and so on. So they know what it takes. So obviously what they're seeing, players aren't really, you know, doing the 120% performance that, you know, makes it 
just there's no ambiguity about whether they should play or not and I'm just surprised at that that some players haven't just elbowed somebody off the field and, and won their place Ken we saw Tipperary last week that ravenous work rate that was just like it's so suffocating <coughs> that you can't even you can't just rest on the ball for a second or you're being swarm tackled can Cahill Mannion say the half forward line for Galway the last day Cahill Mannion uh, Niall Burke and Jason Flynn Will they ever play that kind of game? I don't think they will. I think the Man- Mannion and Jason Flynn are silky, skillful players. I, you can't see them doing that ravenous work that's maybe expected. I think Galway maybe sli- have slipped off in that regard. What, the, what Limerick bring to it and what Tipperary are bringing to it this year? Um, yeah, look, it, it, it's, I suppose it's difficult to, play, to change players' behaviours and uh, to become something very different. Yeah, but you need to dig a little bit on, more under the skin than that, uh, Woolley. I think when you look at Tipperary and look at, I, I give massive credit to Tip the way they set themselves up. Their their structure, I thought last Sunday won the game for them. Uh, you know, they brought on Dan McCormack wing forward and like look, Bonner will win a war anywhere. He'll probably win a bloody world war on his own. Um, so they had two wing forwards who can work back to field but are very physical at winning ball back their turnover position and their tackling and all that is pretty pretty tough and pretty hard going and then they had Brendan Marr and we actually mentioned it last week you Brendan did Man you call that well Man Mark and Tony Kelly um, so you take that physicality out of the team and you know are you seeing bubbles you know turning lads upside down or John McGrath probably not and they're similar type players I suppose to Mannion and Flynn and that um, so Galway probably need to look at um, you know maybe a player or two like that in their Com- forward line more and combative yeah and they may not have them you know it's fine saying we could do with it but if you don't have it you don't have it you've got to play with with the best hand you're, that you have yeah Joe Cooney was back wing back the last day their, their layout of the team was weird mm. the last day they had mm. uh, Porrick Mannion and Aidan Hart in in the two corners and like I mean that was their half back line when they were going well Mannion McInerney and Hart so that's yeah. broke up now and Loftus is one wing and Cooney was the other now I can't see that continuing Hanbury came on the last day I'm not sure how close to he is mm. but you'd imagine Joe Cooney will go back wing forward and Johnny Glynn will come back into the full forward line at some stage right and mm. uh, they'll have more of a puck out option and I don't know they just I think they need to get back a little bit to where they were they've definitely fallen off the, the pace yeah. they were very poor I thought today against Wexford yeah, and no, even the, actually David Burke who you'd imagine would have stood up as captain when Joe's yes. absence he's not in a great in the, in, the, in great form and Cottle Mannion who'd played midfield was bumped back to wing forward because Johnny Cohn came back in they just don't they definitely need that win to spark them off don't they? Yeah they do no, they need to find form um, yeah. pretty soon because um, you know you could say that you know you'll just tip along and you'll do enough and all of that and you'll bide your time and um, you know you'll ramp up the performance then a little bit later on in the year and that's the ideal really in terms of you know reaching your peak at the right time and all of that but hell it could be out of championship at that stage and it's too late um, so you, you certainly would be expecting it on this weekend and next weekend they simply have to because they're out of championship if they don't if they lose those two matches they're gone um, so so it's it's an interesting uh, an interesting one, and I, I, it may very well be that that the Galway management are trying out some things in you know high pressure situations and, and that because you know you could throw them on in a challenge game um, against a team and not be really able to judge the performance and not be really able to judge the change you know if it's going to be successful at the top level or not. They may very well be trying out some things like that, um, but uh, you know I think on 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 Sunday it'll be foot to the floor and you know whatever Galway team is out is the team to win a match and win in All Ireland. And look, they have that. They have you know absolute class in their team. They didn't win. You know, it's so difficult to win in All Ireland. They've won it. You know, only a year ago or eighteen months ago or whatever. Um, and you know, they have that class to be able to do it. Um, 
But it's a small little bit concerning uh, that Joe had such an effect on them. Yeah. Um, we all know he's an absolutely, you know, one of the finest players we have ever seen. But now they didn't have the greatest league when Joe was there. I think they're on a lull year anyways. I think too, I think maybe you can read too much into Joe. Like obviously they have a problem with the best centre forward in the game. That's going to be a problem. I don't know. I don't remember them. Like they lost down in Walsh Park against Waterford with Joe. Like mm. it's not like they were they weren't flying in the league. Well, well I wouldn't read much into the league. No, I, I, I know I, that. But I, I wouldn't dismiss it, uh, Willie. I agree with you. I wouldn't dismiss it. But I wouldn't, you know, read a huge amount into it either. But it, it raised another point, uh, Willie, um, you know, in terms, of, in terms of the importance of key players. Um, you take TJ out of Kilkenny, take Pat Horgan out of Cork, take Tony Kelly out of Clare, as he was taken out last Sunday, um, um, and take Joe out of Galway. You know, it's a very different looking team then. Yeah. Um, they're not spiritual leaders for no reason, I they're suppose. They're not, exactly. No. And, and management at the minute are freeing up these players and trying to make them unmarkable or not be closed down um, to, you know, to, so as to have the ma- a major influence on the game. Um, and, you know, I just wonder, you know, you would expect that that Galway team is seasoned. And, well, you may have a pint. I mean, they're on the go for four years now, really, or maybe even five years. You know, basically, you know, roughly the same team here. And that's the point I was sort of making. I, I remember actually, Willie, last year, um, one of the listeners to the programme raised that point. You know, Galb had tried a lot of players during the league, but just didn't seem to settle on one, you know, in terms of even just putting in one. Yeah. Now, I disagreed with that at the time. You don't put in somebody just for the sake of putting in somebody and refreshing it because players just see that straight away. They know they know what, what it is. You've got to earn that right to get on the team. But I'm just surprised that, you know, one of those players, considering they've won All-Ireland minors and 21s and you name it, club All-Irelands and everything, that yeah. one of them hasn't said, look, you cannot keep me off of this team. That there's not more of a depth of it. It's yeah. a weird one, all right. There mm. definitely is. Like I mean, it's look. It's it's hard. It's definitely hard to know. You can see Johnny Glynn starting, right? Because you can imagine uh, one or two of the short pokeouts went astray against Wexford. Mm. You'd imagine that Galway are just going to get it down there, right? Like I mean, it's it's uh, it's fairly obvious to me that they'll they'll be going along with their pokeouts. Kilkenny, we know they're crazy stats with Darren Brennan in the in the goals against Dublin. They retained eighty three percent of their second half puckouts, seventy percent in the whole game. So, like, I mean, maybe he has more of an array than Owen Murphy, but we know Kilkenny don't mess around too much with puckouts. Yeah. So we'll see. Mm. We're definitely going to see a traditional game here, aren't we? And I don't mean traditional game. We won't. We won't see two. We'll see obviously working half forwards on both teams, then working a little bit in the middle third. But we won't see that huge crowded middle third like we probably would with Limerick and Clare, for example. I think at different uh, parts of the game you will but you won't just see it right throughout the game um, but will you see the um, movement of the ball through the lines and the um, I suppose the type of, of space opening runs that you see from Limerick when they're at their best um, and that no I think you see a different type of game than, than that all the teams have a different style of play and um, you know as we, we, we've said this a number of times to change that is very very difficult and you mightn't want to it may very well be you know Brian will say hey, look this has won me 15 All-Irelands or whatever it is why would you want to change yeah no exactly who do you fancy uh, it, look it's 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 difficult um I just would have liked to have seen Galway with more form. I, I do accept that they have the ability to step up quickly. They have the quality in their team. They've got a big team. Um, but I just feel at the minute it just looks like that, you know, a lot of their influential players, you know, just aren't playing playing well. And, you know, you could use the very same thing about Clare last Sunday and just use the likes of John Conlon, who was, you know, unplayable last year yeah. and just is not at that 
peak of performance this year and I just, I just find that Galway are not now you couldn't say that Kilkenny are actually setting the world on fire either um, but the games in Nolan Park and they have a, you know they have a savage pride about protecting their, their performance there and I, I, I just think you know what you said earlier on is true um, you know a lot of players coming back from injury, injury raise the performance levels in training will raise the competitiveness within the team to go away and win things and I think they're really on an upward curve here you know whereas a number of months ago you might have said you know they might they might just stay where they are and just maintain the forum but it looks like now that they're going to push on right, so, okay. so I'll give it a Kilkenny, give uh, it a Kilkenny. Uh, yes. I'm going to go with the theory that Galway might spark at some stage in the championship and they might do it uh, this weekend for what it's worth alright we'll come back with Paddy Power predictions you can't touch this this. A few weeks later, they played Kilkenny below Nolan Park. The same year. And oh, they were being hockey. But the camera went in. There was a fellow warming up. And Jesus, you should see him. <laughs> yeah, the fuck. He was massive. Legs, arse, belt. But I burst out laughing. There he was, the epitome of what I said. I told you, homeboy. You can't touch this. Yeah, that's how we living and you know. Can't touch this. Look at my eyes. Okay, so Paddy Power predictions, even though we've already done a prediction cheddar, but I'm really mixing it up, keeping everybody guessing here. So um, we'll move on to the Gaelic grounds on Sunday. This is the second game. Galway and Kilkenny is the first game. Um, we, we know we're, in the, in, we're used to having two hurling games every Sunday now, cheddar, anyways. I won't get into that. So, like, I mean, this is, this is a big one. So we were speculating the last day about what Limerick would do. Would they wield the axe or not? Now, he, he wielded it. Not that many got chopped, but Dermot Burns amazingly got dropped. He was roasted, I suppose, by Car- Daniel Carney, got four off him. And he showed him no mercy and didn't even bring him on, um, Cheddar. So, which makes me wonder, was he potentially injured? But we'll, we'll go with the theory that he was dropped and Darrow Donovan was dropped. He came on and scored two points. So, like, I mean, that's the ruthless streak you were talking about. That that message has gone out now. That that yeah. won't be. That will not be tolerated. So, like I mean, like we said, your man O'Loughlin came on and, and played very well. So I'd say Declan Hannan's looking at that, going, "Jesus Christ, will I ever get back in now?" Um, yeah, no. I, I suppose that competitive environment in your dressing room provide all the players buy into that um, is is the gold dust you're looking for here, and you know that, that's that's what has served Brian so well in a Kilkenny dressing room for twenty years. Um, and you know once you have that there is you know the, the of course you need to man manage of course you need the one to ones with a player and, ex- and explain where they are and all of those things um, but that dynamic really drives performance and particularly if it's meaningful and you know you kind of just make a statement um, and just say look I need freshness here I need to change things up and put somebody in instead, instead of somebody else when everybody in the dressing room knows that this particular player is just not up to it, and you're just making you're just making a you know a weak statement here, but just consider that for a minute. Paddy Lachlan was wing back on a UCC winning team, and you know was one of the better players. Uh, William O'Donoghue was midfield for Napierseek in an All Ireland club final, two club All Irelands, um, and is you know a serious performer. Um, so it wasn't necessarily that you were putting in um, you know just throwing somebody in here. These guys in training and, and, and in club games and you know in, in, in pretty high standard games were proving themselves and um, so I think 
you know, John has got exactly what he wants out of this. He certainly got performance from the two of them. Paddy Lockley, I think, knocked over two pints. Yeah. Um, came up along the win, offer, offered uh, an option. And actually, I saw him in the league. He actually played in the league up along as well, William. I saw him below in, in Kilkenny. Um, and he was he was actually a puck out option, dropping the ball over the half back line where he runs onto it. Uh, and obviously, that's a pint option straight away from a puck out when you see what he was able to do and do do the last day. Um, so that's genuine competition within the team here. And you know, I, I don't know Dermot Burns personally, but he certainly strikes me as being a very very competitive individual. And uh, you know, God help any Limerick, handy little Limerick wing forward who's playing in him for the last week. I suspect because yeah. he'll want his place back here. Um, so I, I think. Um, you know, I think it's been real genuine um, good moves and I think it, is, it will generate a real serious competitiveness in the dressing room and look, that's their gold rush you're looking for the whole time. Exactly. Amazingly, Cheddar, and I hadn't realised this till I read it earlier, if Limerick lose this one, they're out. They're gone. There is no mathematical uh, opportunity for them to, to stay in the Munster Championship or even stay in the All-Ireland Series because they'll have lost to both Clare and Cork on a head-to-head and Clare and Cork play each other so one of them has to get at least one point so it can't go to score difference it'll mm-hmm. definitely be on head to head I can't believe it like I mean John Kiley uh, was talking about this Sunday has taken on a new level of por- perform- of importance the way results have panned out and when I read that quote I didn't realise that I thought he was just saying that but this is absolute backs to the wall stuff this is knockout championship again with Limerick and Clare who are two great rivals so we should see sparks flying completely this weekend Yeah no you would expect that um that's a, that's a really interesting, interesting statistic, uh, Willie. And you know, bear in mind they're all Ireland champions to be knocked out in their own home ground. Um, if they lose on Sunday, you know, adds real, real spark to this. And I suspect that uh, John Colley, you know, had a bit of an inkling of that because I just thought he was very, very intense on the sideline the last day, um, and you know, was really, really up for the intense performance from his team and that. Um, so, so I, I think look, it's going to be a, a, a savage game. I think um, you know Clare are going to be smarting a little bit as well. Um, in essence, it's a home game for Clare, as we all know. You know, the majority of the clubs in Clare on the hurling side are much closer to Limerick and much closer to the Gaelic grounds than they are to the Ennis Road or to the Ennis uh, uh, pitch. Right. Um, so you know, it's going to be it's going to be um, next door neighbours uh, um, battle here, really, and. You know, if Clare are beaten, like, they're obviously in serious trouble as well. Um, so it is. It is championship cut here on Sunday. Um, All Ireland champions in their own home ground. They were beaten there recently by Cork in front of their own supporters, and you know clearly that hurt hurt badly. Um, so you know, if, I think if they carry that hurt, obviously they've won a game since, but the consequences of this game are are, are massive for a young team. Um, and you know they've 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 acquitted themselves well won the league you know couldn't do any more here really but they've got to up it again on on Sunday to make sure that they stay in the championship like that's some fair cut and we're going back to what we said at the start um, you know the intensity of the Munster Championship starts to ramp up now pretty quickly and you know Sunday's game I think will be a barometer of that Yeah definitely so have Tipperary shown the way now or will Limerick <laughs> man mark uh, Tony Kelly or uh, will any of their half back line Declan Hannan won't want to do it he won't do it I'd imagine he likes to sweep he, he couldn't see him I couldn't see Declan Hannan probably having the, the energy maybe Dan Morrissey might be the one to follow him all over the place or even O'Loughlin but you'd imagine Jesus that you can't let Tony Kelly get ahead of steam and get into the game Tipperary did it perfectly and frustrated him and Tony Kelly was visibly frustrated 
Yeah, no, um, you know, game-breaking players are, are, you know, big influencers, um, particularly in a team that plays in a system. Um, and look, it's a discussion for another day, Willie, in terms of, um, you know, I suppose just playing playing conventional 15 on 15 when you're on ball type of a game versus playing a system and, you know, some key players in that. And I mentioned this last week um, about Seamus Flanagan that I, th- I thought he was a huge loss to Limerick, not necessarily because he's, he's a huge scoring forward, but he's the real glue within the Limerick system. Tony Kelly is the very, very same player in Clare. You simply cannot let that man influence the game. First of all, he'll score. Um, so he's even more dangerous than the likes of Seamus Flanning. But he's, he's actually the real link between the way you carry a ball out of the defence and how you distribute it to the forwards. And he obviously has that score, long-range scoring ability as well. It's just not madness not to zonally mark him. And, uh, you know, I'd say a Parig was back with Watford. And I know, I... I, I Understand that he that Watford where the man Markham and some some systems didn't work or whatever the case with him, um, but you, you just simply couldn't leave him just be the free player. No no sooner than you would leave TJ be the free player with with Kilkenny. They're just and Joe Kenny. They're just such a big influence, and that's the reason that management teams try to release him and make them you know very very difficult to tie down and pin down. Um, so. Do Limerick have that type of player to pin him down, or will they trust and grow at Hegarty and Tom Mar- Morrissey being, uh, you know, enough bodies in the middle third to just choke the space around him? Um, look, they, they they do that well, probably better than any other team. Um, uh, you know, and Kyle Hayes comes back to field a lot as well. Yeah. Um, or will they do like Tipperary? I, I, you know, Tipperary certainly changed their team the last day. Um, you know, Lee Mighton admit that but um, you know bringing on Dan McCormick they really had a double screen around their defence they knew they were going to sacrifice one defender Brendan Maher out of their defence so it was going to be 5-5 five and five. they knew there was going to be space around the place then when they did that um, so I'd say they looked at it let's bring on Dan McCormick we have two defensive wing backs they don't need to be back to the field the whole time but they need to be able to block up that space every now and then and we have enough of a screen now our defenders our five defenders now can survive you know so what will Limerick do to be something, something similar or do you just trust yourself and do you just say to yourself, look, I'm going to play my own game plan, I'm going to impose that on the opposition and I'm going to bury them. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, it's, it's, you know, it depends on what you want to do. It'll be interesting to see which way they go with because, like, I mean, Donald Maloney was interviewed and he's usually fairly honest when it comes to assessing yes. the game and he took exception to their character being questioned, which I think is fair enough. Like, you can't question character based on one game. You question yes. character based on a lot yes. more than one. But he says, we were, we were trying to play the ball around and find our men in space rather than crowd it up. You know, so like, I mean, there, there straight away is tactically what he's trying to get it. He says, we didn't have the platform in the middle third to put the type of ball we wanted to. And maybe that, but maybe that was down to Tipperary's work rate in the second half. It was definitely down to Tipperary's work rate. But it's always interesting that they didn't crowd up that middle third. Instead, they wanted to leave space there. And geez, against Tipperary, that's probably a risky game that didn't, that backfired on them. Yeah, I, I think the bigger issue though for Clare was um, if you're playing possession hurling and you're trying to pick the pass or you're trying to pick the space um, with your possession, you have got to have a, a solid platform to distribute that off of. Um, and I just think that the movement of the Clare defenders, um, by the way they were dragged around the field a little bit by Tipperary, didn't afford them that platform. And I think, you know, if if, uh, if Donald and Jerry were back again, they might look at, um, you know, some of, the, some of their 
positioning of players and their tracking of Tipperary players or their handover um, of Tipperary players in that because they were just dragged they looked to me to be dragged around the field a little bit too much and when that happens you you're sort of out of position a lot of the times so you're not getting on the ball getting on front foot being able to ping the pass up the field um, and, and Kelly was out which sets and that Kelly up was out, and that link was was definitely broken in that um, so I can understand um, them bringing the bringing um, um, the player back to field you know people were giving out well why are you bringing back a seventh defender um, when you're playing with the wind um, I can understand what, you know what they were doing I think the, but the, the quality of the ball that was going on up the field I mean poking ball up to a free party Mara wouldn't make sense No, um, but that's all right for us in the stand to look at that um, you know the quality of defenders and the intelligence that opposition managers bring to it and no better person than than Eamon O'Shea to do that um, but so, you, so you think they brought back the extra man which would look like a defensive move you think that was to get to be able to get a foothold to be able to set up a short game or get a running game going or something like that you know, maybe that's what they were doing it in an yeah. attacking sense rather than but then I suppose if you're following that through then them giving long ball made no sense Absolutely. then at all so yeah, see then you're, you're trying to figure out what they were doing there yeah. and I'm confused now because I, I understand what you're saying but giving down long ball onto Paddy Mardem would not be inconsistent with why they did it then no, no and, and, and um, look, so maybe they did it as a confused defensive move then no it could very well be um, look uh, I suppose you just need to be the fly on the wall to really to really know. Um, but you know there could be other things as well. They were concerned about the space around the tip uh, um, forward line, the tip inter- the interchange of tip forwards, and it's not hugely different than what Galway done when they won in All Ireland in terms of wherever you end up in a phase of play, you stay there, and you know somebody else. You know that that type of stuff should be well managed. Now players hand over their their their, their players very very quickly, um, and shouldn't have caused them difficulties. But it just seems to cause clear difficulty, and that, you know that's about handover uh, didn't seem to be there but look we go back to another point Willie as well you know we have had some concerns about the Clare backline over the last couple of years even last year when they were playing really really well I think we said it a number of times on, 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 the, on the show that look the Clare backline would need to be a little bit tighter here and would need to be a little bit more dominant before you'd be absolutely sure that they're, they have all the credentials here to win in All-Ireland and I'd probably say the same t- thing about Tip incidentally Willie there's a couple of things um, I, I'd just like to comment on Tip um, I think they've got a perfect schedule this year. They had two games, a rest, a game, a rest, a game. Um, whereas that's very, very different than what Michael had to, uh, to deal with last year. And the other point I'd like to make about him, um, I'm delighted for Tommy Dunn, um, coach in tip. He's given a huge amount of hurling both as a player uh, with Toome and with Tip and also a coach with Tip and with Dublin and you know has given an awful lot to hurling and probably came in for for um, you know a lot of stick a couple of years ago in terms of the, the Larry and, and uh, Tommy episode and, and it was at an All-Ireland semi-final with Tip and Kilkenny came in for a lot of stick that time and um, you know, I'm just delighted for him that he's had a chance to come back in and coach his own county and the team is playing well you know to a very very high level of performance Yeah exactly and an absolute gent as well as Tommy Dunn and the dealings I've had with him so that is, that is great to see so like I mean I suppose it's interesting I have to ask you about uh, Dalo's comments about systems and players being married to them and we know Dalo is from Dalo played Alan Markham as a sweeper back feckin 15 years ago when I was mm. in college in Tralee Markham was there and I remember this specifically because Markham was a wing was a forward right. and he was given a role as a, sweep, a full time sweeper now not just mm. so that was his system and I don't see like I hate the idea that a system is being painted in a bad light so Limerick system we know is very obvious they're half forward line drops back does an awful lot of work gets back up their full forward line doesn't stay in three to 
together they'll play two inside and one in front they could play as Matty Ford amazingly brought out on the football show Cheddar he was at the league hurling final and he said Limerick full forward line we're going 1-1-1 one, one, one at one stage and I think I remember that that's a system and then diagonal balls what is wrong with that it's so hard to play against it every team has a little system now I do agree bringing back a sweeper when you're losing looks like a really negative silly tactic and I would agree with that but that's not to disparage all systems like players demand systems off managers if, if a manager comes in and he says right there's my one to 15 get out there now lads and win your own battle and and that's the message I have for you that manager would last a month in a job in this day and age because in my day towards the end we wanted Systems, And we didn't just want one. We wanted to have a second one if that one wasn't working. And it's not like players are dictating this, but that's the way the game has gone. So I hate this idea. And I, I understand the traditionalists. I under, I'm a traditionalist as well. Mm. But you have to have a game plan and a way of playing. And you have to study what the other team does and potentially tweak it based off that. That is not trying to get too fancy <laughs> kind of or scientific about it, is it? Um. No, I fully agree with that, Wooly. Um, I don't know where Dale was going with some of this, to be honest with you. Um, I fully accept a couple of things, maybe, of what um, Dale intends to say. That all systems or any way of playing, I don't care whether it's conventional, whether it's uh, going to be a completely new way or the current way that teams are playing, are simply based on work rate and intensity. You cannot uh, win anything. Yeah, they're a that. given. Where the old days, that was pretty much the whole analysis, right? Cool. So that was, yeah. the, you know. I, I think people are confusing a little bit yeah. that systems are replacing that. Systems will be nowhere to damn without that. Yeah. They, uh, that just, that underpins everything. Um, but I think, so what do systems give a team? Um and I'd rather, much rather sports psychologists to explain this than, than the likes of me. Um, really, you are trying to train your team um, to be able to meet any eventualities on the field. And what you're really doing in terms of coaching them is drawing little pictures in players' heads about how to deal with things that are in front of them. And most of that is coming from the subconscious, not from the conscious. And most of what players are doing are simply rehearsing what they have rehearsed in training. And when you do that within systems, there's a whole pile of little phases at play that you rehearse, 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 whether it's making space like Limerick do, whether it's doing diagonal runs or decoy runs like, like Tip do. So every player has a full understanding about what's going on around them. There's no great, there's no great um, um, cerebral newness about this. this. This is the same in any walk of life. Um, so I think, Wooly, I absolutely agree with you that. And look, I, I'll draw. Um, I'm not too sure if anybody is, is into boxing. Um, it's a sport I sort of follow more from the coaching and and the, I suppose the mindset than anything else. But if anybody um, has had the chance to look at the YouTube of of Joshua against Ruiz last uh, Saturday night, um, and I think there's some of those YouTube's where where Joshua is asking his coach Rob McCracken, "What do we do next? What do we do next?" Clearly, Rob McCracken hadn't thought of of all of the things that might happen him in the ring. Um, so when you know when a player is under pressure and he's under serious pressure, you are trying to think on your feet, um, and the less you can do that and draw that from the subconscious, the better chance you have of making good decisions under pressure. When you're under pressure, you're anxious about things, and that'll only build as you go along. And so I, I suppose I'm just going back to that point, that that's what systems, you're rehearsing a whole number of phases of play that become very 
easy for players to understand. Very, there's great clarity about that. There's no ambiguity about that. Not alone that, but you know about all your colleagues and what's expected next and where they're going to go to and all of those. That simplifies the way you want to play and makes it much, much easier to play that type of thing rather than, do, than just strike it along and yeah. move it up as we go so along. For, so for, exa- for example, just to make it clear for anybody listening, so your full back gets on the ball. You want your full back not thinking right I'm just going to launch this you want your full back thinking because in training you've talked about this and you've, you've that he's looking for a wing back centre back and from there then we're talking about delivering ball let into both corners and the full forward line are supposed to either cross over each other and you're breaking into that corner and you're breaking like that's just a very simplistic yeah, way of yeah, doing it yeah. so that when the full back gets the ball with 10 minutes to go and there's a bit of pressure on that he has a good idea of what's you know right. what way you want him to play or how so he's got clarity about how he's supposed to play it's not just like Absolutely. I'm going to launch this and hope somebody wins it so yeah. like I mean and that's just a very basic kind of idea of how yeah. a player might feel about what's our system or how am I or like do we play a running game as far as midfield and then give it in well if that's the case well I'm not going to launch in it I'm going to put it on my hurl bring it out a little bit and hand pass it off to a spare man and that's my job being done the way the manager wants me to do it that's, do you uh, know what I mean so I, like I, I, players I want one, players yeah. want that like I, I mean that's the thing players want to be told what to do and then be told after the game you've carried that you've played well today the way I want that's how I want you to play now this idea go out and go out and just play that's yeah. nonsense like. no, I, I, that, that, that's, I suppose that explains it well William I'll just add two points to that I suppose um, the more you have rehearsed something look you know why do you go to school and go to college and all of these things um, you know why do you rehearse things so much um, just to make yourself comfortable with him that you know what you're doing and better still everybody around you know what you're do- what knows what you're doing and I just say that Limerick has probably brought that to maybe a slightly different level and look I don't want to talk it up talk it up too much here either um, all two teams do different things but Limerick brought that to a little bit of a different level last year in the sense that what you've explained um, Woolley I suppose is the defence take the ball out of the, out of the defence and um, you know delivering the ball inside but actually what Limerick do is they create the space to make the mind of the defender up where they want the ball and just think about that for a minute um, you, I think you made a point the last day that look I doubted if Limerick ever do any or very little touch it always needs to do a bit but they don't do a huge amount of touch they do run an awful lot of phases of play so players really know what's going on and you know, you just need to tweak that from game to game then to really to put the opposition under under pressure. If you're in that level of coaching, and I, I would seriously think that Michal and Franny and Galway and, you know, all, all management teams at that level, that's what they're actually doing and at, at inter-county level. Um, I just think that that's a much more intelligent and much more difficult way of, of, of defending against than, uh, you know, just playing the ball up and down the field, you know, which which at this day and age, players are much more technically gifted to be able to, be able to yeah. handle that. And, and the, the important thing about this is, is, and hopefully players wouldn't be married to it, that if the fullback looks up and no one's on and he's coming under pressure, no one's saying you can't, yeah, you know what I mean, get it down there because that's yeah. just silly. Yeah. So that's oh, not, yeah. maybe, like, yeah. unless, unless there's people out there to think that they're married to this and that players have yeah. no, have no no freedom to express oh, no, themselves. No, That's oh, nonsense too, you oh, know. No, I, I absolutely agree with you. And you know, maybe you know, my limited explanation of this sort of gives that out there. No, it's not. This is a blueprint of how you want to That's be playing. Right, yeah, but correct, like, yeah. you're not, you're not hamstrung oh, by it. No, you're absolutely, not. Absolutely. And, and look, ultimately, how will this be? This be measured? It'll be measured on the quality of the decision making of your players. Yeah. Ultimately, that's what it is. And nobody knows that better than the players out in the field. And that's where I'm going back to the point of having good leaders in the field. That you know, you need to spot something. You 
Labour game plan may have been sussed out by the opposition and you know you might actually see it the players will see that most is going to be your 3, 6, 8, 9, 11 or 14 they're in the middle of it for you know the whole period of the game and the connection with the management and, and, and the players and particularly those key players and to be able to I suppose communicate that and articulate that properly and then go away and have a solution for it um, you know and, and I suppose I'm going back to that point well you really need a solution that you've rehearsed um, you can't do it you can, everything's not perfect but if you can great now we can switch over to you know here's what we do in this situation and players are much more comfortable and under much less mental pressure um, when they know what's you know what how do we what do we need to do to fix this and uh, you know that's the real I suppose goal does that the communication between a management team and a team itself and particularly the leaders in the team is so important Yeah okay great stuff who do you fancy here Limerick are 4-9 to favourites Clare 23-10 to you wouldn't have got those odds last year but obviously going off the last games you have to fancy Limerick here but um, probably Clare not 23-10 to outsiders No no absolutely not no um, look, I, I think there will be a kick in Clare um, but I just think Limerick just looked the consequences for them are just too much in their own field um, and I just think some of the Clare players um, just are just not at the level they were last year and you know John Conlon is probably he's just a fantastic player a huge huge regard for him one of the finest players I've ever seen um, but he's just not you know not doing it or not, just not getting on the ball and they're probably just under that platform off the backs either um, so I, I just think that Limerick have to deliver on Sunday and I think they will Yeah ok so Cork versus Waterford is the next one that's on at 7 o'clock it's on Sky Sports on Saturday night Cork are 1-10 to 10. Cheddar amazingly uh, Waterford are 15-2 to 2 outsiders the handicap here is 8 um, I know you don't want to speculate on any trouble in that camp if there is the bookies are clearly um, feeling that there is because Cork 1-10 against the team who beat them in an all semi semi-final only two years ago is a crazy bet but Waterford haven't been going well and just there's a comment from John Myler during the week um, and it's basically on pretty much what we've been talking about here he says we analysed it and we've looked at it this is the performance against Limerick our work rate was incredible our tackling our hooking our blocking our decision making was critical so when you do all those things then Cork's excellent system of working short stick passes and then lovely ball into a full four line that's allowed to work then you know what I mean one allows the other to flourish without without the basic um, intensity and hooking and tackling and blocking your system will look stupid because mm. you know you'll you'll be playing around stupid ha- yeah. passes under pressure and yeah. you won't be able to do it. Yeah, you won't get, you won't just simply get enough percentage of position to, to be able to play the game that yeah. you want to play, and and it's not in in it's in that sequence. Um, you know, it's the winning the hard ball first of all because you don't have the ball as a possession team. Well, look, it's not going to work for you. Yeah. Okay. So you fancy Cork here? Uh, you, look, you'd have to. Um, it's a difficult one, obviously, for Waterford. Um, look, they were in probably in the same position last year in terms of being out of the championship, but there probably was the brick factor last year, and there was probably the Derek factor as well. You know, maybe at that stage that the new Derek was going, um, and um, you know, they certainly gave a, um, a, a performance of pride in Waterford hurling, and, and you would like to think that the, the team will, you know, really gel together and uh, just stand up and be counted um, in this game. Um, so you know it is important for them and for their future that that they walk away from a championship this year. And to be honest with you, Willie, they're, they're, you know they need to be a little bit careful as well because if Kerry win the Joe McDonough 
they need they're going to be playing they're going to be playing Kerry in yeah. a couple of weeks time and that as well you know so they just need to be careful here yeah and Brian Carroll is right Brian Carroll's given out Waterford should have to play Carlo if Carlo were bottom like I mean that's the reality mm. of it mm. everybody's safe in Munster and everybody's not safe in Leinster and it's a ju- that's a, for uh, me yeah. that's not right yeah. I know I'm pretty, yeah. fairly sure we mentioned that before it's definitely an anomaly it's definitely wrong Wexford against Carlo Wexford are 1-50 to 50, so there's some fair old one-sided ones here now obviously Carlo um, didn't go as well as expected against Dublin the handicap was 8 there they, they didn't uh, stay inside that yeah, we'll both go for Wexford in this one will we without uh, yeah, talking yeah, too much you'd have to uh, nonetheless um, it is a local derby and that as well but you'd have to go with it now and make one more is comment is there a derby in hurling between Carlo and Wexford there wouldn't uh, there really would be, be. There, 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 look there would be in terms of um, all of the Wexford uh, or sorry all of the Carlo hurling area borders that corner of Kilkenny and that corner of Wexford right and there, you know the rat newers and all of this would be we puck a ball away from from, right. from Mount Leinster Rangers and some of these and so they would be regularly playing one other in club matches there would be that level not at county level obviously not between supporters probably within that, within that there would be a little bit um, I just make one comment the, the, um, you know if you look at Offaly last year you know they were strong earlier on and then then they faded a little bit towards the end of this and that's yeah. the difficulty with having a small panel um, and and you know just not having the, the depth in the panel to be able to keep fresh from week to week and um, you know you, you, their performance I think will, will drop a little bit uh, you know so I do expect I mean the consequences of Wexford here are massive as well they've got to go away and win this match Yeah and it's all hotting up in both provinces obviously with four teams in the mix Antrim versus Westmead Antrim slight favourites for this one amazingly you wouldn't have thought that two mm. games ago they had that brilliant away win against Offaly they're hard to beat up there Westmead go the other way got a huge shock against Kerry and now are outsiders to play against Antrim I won't I keep saying it but what I think it's a fantastic competition to Joe McDonough I know you've reservations about what's the long term plan but just for a competition where Deems teams can be involved in classics get some national exposure for classics not enough in my mm. point of view mm. I think they will sell it to a media uh, broadcaster next year they have to because these are all great clo- like mm. it's a mini Munster championship you could almost say isn't it like I mean it, based on excitement and, and shocks and closeness of games yeah no um, I, I would agree with that Willie, in terms of closeness of games and, and consequences of wins and losses and all of that um, um, look I'm not going to rake over all calls in terms of the strategy for this the one point I would make about it is, is that yes it's very competitive um, because of the closeness of the quality of the teams and, and the performance of the teams but a long long ways off of the I suppose the pace and and quality of the top teams and that's the difficulty I have with it Um, so how can you close that gap uh, playing in a competition like this I think the competition is great I've never had a reservation about that except where's the strategy to make sure that whoever wins this take Carlo at the minute they've never ever been as uh, they've never had a better team in my time watching Carlo I think they've had a good team in the early 60s that's going back a little bit Um, so you know what's what's the plan now for Carlo to try and get them to stay where they are or to improve themselves or to grow or whatever I don't know yeah. Uh, incidentally, Willie, you, you, you know that point now also applies to Waterford. We we spoke about him earlier on, um, and we spoke about finances and all of that. Um, and he, this is the real issue that needs to be discussed about Waterford. There's you know there's obviously a plan in place now to to rebuild Walsh Park. And look, I've seen so many county boards and Leinster councils and Munster councils and Croke Park and all of that. There seems to be no problem in building stadiums and all of that, but a huge bloody problem in looking at the, the development of the game within the county. And Waterford are a city. Um, they're you know they're a strong hurling county. May not have been in the first five or the first three you know for the last thirty or forty years, but they have savage potential to be in the top three. Um, so I, 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 I you know I see an awful lot of commentary from a whole lot of different people um, you know about the team and all of that, and, I, and I'm just going back to that point again. 
unless somebody can come along and say, here's the financial uh, plan for Welsh Park and Waterford to bring it to, to you know, a stadium that's, that's, will represent our county. Here's the financial plan to sustain the current county team in terms of performance. And here's the financial plan for the development of the game in Waterford. Because you can have a glorious stadium and no team to play in it. Yeah. And, and, um, I, sure, I, that I, happened awfully in both codes, really. It does. It, it, in, in a sense, it does. And look, that does... Like that's madness to me, and, and there's a lot of sports out there, um, you know, including the athletics in Kenya, including you know a lot of sports around the world that don't have fantastic facilities, but have an absolutely magnificent culture of improvement within, of players and, and young people within their county, and that's what makes them great. It's not the buildings, and I I suspect that a li- there's a little bit of this creeping into Waterford as well. That look, let's have a stadium to be proud of, for who? Yeah. Yeah, for two games a year, probably. Maybe a league game that nobody goes to. Right, the last one is the big one for me and you, Cheddar, of the weekend. Kerry, 11-4 to four outsiders at home, surprisingly enough, and Leash 3-10. to 10. And I know you're long time on record in this show saying Kerry, Austin Park down there isn't an easy place to go or wherever to play their home games. Mark Kavanagh, um, looks like he he injured his knee, according to Leash today. So it looks like he's out. He'd be a very big loss. He's been playing very well. Um Leash, if they win it, they're through to the final, pretty much, uh, mathematically. So, you know, it's not an easy place to go. Leash are going very well. But again, I don't know, it's a 50-50 game for me, maybe. Would it be? Yeah, no, it's a, it is a difficult place to play. And look, Kerry winning the last time, obviously, um, you know, really brings them into focus in terms of the win here. On, they're on four pints. And they may very well be on level points then with Leash and Antrim yeah. if Antrim are, are beaten by Westmead. <coughs> so you could end up with four teams and, and four pints. And Leash having to beat Westmead at home to, to, beat to Westmead get into the final. That, you know. so it can change very quickly no, in that can, competition. Yeah. Incredibly it can. Um, look, I've seen Leash um, obviously hurl uh, in the two games and I just think that they have really improved their technical ability um, and some really good technical hurlers. Um, and you know Mark Hamner will be a loss he had a serious knee injury a number of years ago he had an ACL a couple of years ago um, and a very very technical player very, you know very very dangerous forward in that and he, you know if he's out I don't know the circumstances of that uh, Woolley just, it's just what I read myself on it um, so he will be a loss to the team if he is out I think they've, Ben Conroy and maybe one or two other players sort of come back into it again which you know which which might alleviate the loss a little bit whether or which um, you know having a real focus about yourself going down to Tralee with a really really good game plan you know Kerry have some real they have some really fair hurlers um, you know you spoke with, with um, young Conway here recently yeah, um, Shane. He, Shane was probably the best player or one of the better players in the whole Fitzgibbon Cup this year you know just put you in, and he would he would if he was in Cork he would probably be, probably be on their team yeah. um, so they've got quality players and they've got a mix of players around the field as well some big players like Colm Harty and the Biles and, and all of those and some very competitive players um, Patrick Kelly's back with them again this year um, you know and on their own pitch they'll, they'll get a crowd behind them and, and uh, you know they, again they'll go they'll really go for this and there's a, um, another aspect to the Kerry t- senior hurling team a lot of their players have, have you know won All-Ireland at intermediate football junior football with you know some of the North Kerry clubs so they've got a fair pedigree of playing at a high elite level um, and you know they've that confidence about them and that um, you know and again they do transfer that into the hurling so look uh, regardless of who Lees were playing I'm going to be plumber for Lees and anyway, Willie as you know uh, there's no um, um, but it's a di- very difficult one for them and, and um, you know I think if Lees get out of there by a pint or two it would be brilliant for them and you know obviously that would put him into a Joe McDonough Cup and it could very well be look if Lees win on Sunday and Antrim 
win on Sunday, that could be the final. Both have six points. I think everybody else will only have two points at that stage. So the, you know that, yeah. that is going to be That's the final. Right. Just quick, just quickly, <coughs> what did you think of like? Uh, I mean, Eddie showed a bit of tactical flexibility putting Paddy Purcell in full forward at all against Antrim, or would he have played in there much? I know he, 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 he's played a good bit there. He's, he? play, he's played a good bit there with Rat down the and that as well. Right. Um, you know, very mobile player and he's a target man in there, wasn't he? Well, well he can be, but he, he's a huge mobile player to get around the field as well. So you know, you're asking questions now. The full back does the full back follow him? And then you know, we're going back to a little bit of what we're talking about Limerick. Then have you you leaving enough space inside? You still have an attacker. You're still playing with six forwards, but he's a very mobile player going around the field and that. Um, and you know, on farm, he's a serious serious midfielder as well as you proved a couple of years ago. That's kind of where I had him down as a midfielder wing forward. <coughs> I thought that maybe playing full forward was unusual, but obviously not. I'm not on top of my uh, leash leash uh, club hurling. I'm actually not on top of leash club football to be honest. With you. <laughs> anyway. All right, Cheddar, great stuff. Next up, we'll talk to Joe from Paddy Power. Joe, welcome back to the show. We missed you. I'm glad to hear Colin yeah, good to be back great stuff come here what are we looking at here oh we have to start with my accumulator my confidence is on the ground here um, I have to say Joe so I need I need a win badly this weekend and I'm not sure in my defence I'm not going for guaranteed wins is that the only thing that you can say to help my confidence yeah well look I mean it's, it's, it's been a tough few weeks for you in fairness now but um, well, look one thing to, to start off with anyway on the accumulator as it hasn't been going so well as we, were, we were discussing it inside and we're, we're going to guarantee that at least a grand is going to go to the Smartens even if you even if you <laughs> <laughs> if you fall flat in your face all year we're guaranteeing that there'll at least be some money for them at the end of it so okay, we're, well tr- we're trying to take the pressure off you a little bit anyway okay. well that does that does help that does help but like I mean that's that's helping my guilt about the Samaritans it's not helping my confidence <laughs> about being a being a tipster so come on give us give us my accumulator this week yeah so you've got the Cork on the handicap minus 8 Kerry on the handicap plus 4 Limerick to win and Galway to win um, that it was coming in at 13 to 1 on the odds but we've pushed it out to 20 to 1 to uh, give anyone else who, who wants to jump in with you a bit more value on that yes you're um, giving it a good bump you're not expecting I think Cork minus 8 Waterford going so badly Cheddar thinks Kerry's a really difficult place to go I think Leash will win but I think Kerry will cover the 4 Limerick to win and Galway are ex- that Galway's the one I'm, I'm yeah, probably I think is always the, is Galway's the, long, the longer shot yeah, you'd be could, most worried about looking at yeah. those 4 I think but look they're, they're definitely in with a good shout this weekend anyway either way ok so what about your money back specials this week yeah so we've got the, the first goal scorer uh, money back special running through the championship season again so any of the TV games if your first goal scorer doesn't get the first one but gets one any time you get your, your money back as a stake so um, so the live games only, TV games only so you have Cork, Waterford kick any goal in Limerick Clare this weekend that that money back special will apply to OK perfect and some Paddy Power prices as well yeah so just a few that we've pushed out as well a few uh, little doubles and that so the first one is Limerick and Kilkenny both to be leading at half time and to win a full time that was 7-2 to two and that's just bumped out to 9-2 to two a bit so obviously they're both favourites for their, their respective games so it's just to push them out a bit there for anyone who thinks they will get the business done and get it done well um, and then on the other side of that with the, the slight underdogs I guess anyway Galway and Clare about to win that was 15-2 to two and that's now 17-2 to two and I'm sure there'll be a good few people who might be eyeing that one up this weekend Yeah, no exactly right and then Saturday for the games she's Corker 1-10 to 10, so like I mean this is a complete write-off for, for Waterford yeah, it's it's a disaster really, and we actually talked about this game last year because they were in the same position. Waterford were gone; they're going to play Cork, and I did fancy Waterford to really put it up to them that game, and, and they did. But I mean, this year their their confidence is on the floor. It looks like a bit of a disaster in there. I'm not sure what the story is with the manager and all that, yeah. but I mean they're going to be missing Mahoney as well, and you wouldn't know what team will line out for them or where their heads are at. So I think the the one to ten is not really that unexpected, I suppose. 
Uh, any more bets in that one? Yeah, there's a few just to look at there. I think well, one of them was just ha- the the goals is somewhere to look at when you're looking for bets in games. That you, you can see foresee the results. So under under two and a half goals, basically less than three goals is six to five. Whatever haven't scored one in any of their three matches yet, and Cork have only got one in each of theirs. I know goals can go in fairly easy in hurling, but I, I can't see there being being a whole load of them in this game. And but even uh, even on that, then you'd expect them to come from Cork. So I've looked at Seamus Harney there as the first goal scorer. He's at seven to one to get the first one and obviously there's the money back special applying to that match as well so if he gets one any time you get the, the money back from your bet and along with Harney there if he was to score a goal any time and Cork to win is 15-8 to eight. so obviously the 1-10 to 10 price is, is fairly uh, fairly muck for anyone who wants to back Cork but that 15-8 to eight with Harney to score a goal and Cork to win might be worth uh, worth putting a few quid on OK it improves it a bit why do you go under 2.5 goals instead of just under 3 goals what's the technical it's just, problem there? Uh, it's purely just for specifics that there's no way someone can get it wrong if they're looking at the side that it says under two oh, it's just right. under, under two and a half it means there's no way if there being any it's any just petty like arguments in the office you know in the in the or getting phone calls about it more or less you yeah it's clear, just to be like if it's 100% it. clear that there's less than two and a half goals it's, it's just a tech, tech uh, technology alright ok so Wexford there's not too much in this one this is 1 to 50 these are strange odds in the Munster and Leinster um, championships yeah exactly it's, it's Bit disappointing, and I'm as being kind of it's well, it's been well discussed uh, throughout the first few uh, weekends of the championship this year that they haven't been as competitive as it has last year. But I suppose just something a few things to look out for there. I mean, you can't see anything other than a Wexford win, but the, uh, the handicap at minus 12 at evens I think looks a great bet. Like Carlov played three, three games now, they, I'd say they're pretty wrecked to be honest with you. They, yeah, they, small they, squad. They, as Bonner had been saying, they were a target in Dublin as well. And after that one going by them, they've nothing really left to play for. And while there's still pride on the line, Wexford have, have everything to play for and they need to get a win and they need to get their confidence going so I think that that, uh, that minus 12 looks good and even at that as well Wexford to win by 16 points or more is 15 to 8 so you're, you're nearly getting 2 to 1 for 16 points or more and with score difference potentially still coming into it I know that yeah. the draws have changed that slightly but I don't think Wexford are going to be taking their foot off the gas this weekend at any stage so either of those bets look good to me and uh, one other one just to look out for potentially is Wexford to score first lead at half time and win at full time at 4 to 7 as well just gives you, gives you something other than the Wexford at 1-50 to 50. Yeah well you know the half time and full time are almost guaranteed so yeah, you're going you're 4-7 to seven on the Wexford to score first pretty much right isn't it? Yeah and exactly it, yeah it's just the first first point and barring a, barring a, a very strange you're on, result You're on easy streets you're on the home straight when <laughs> Wexford scored first Right Sunday then Kilkenny obviously uh, favourites 4-6 to six against Galway 13-8 they were, they were my tip um, there's a handicap here of 2 points anything else? Yeah, I was trying to have a look at it anyway to see if there was something that we could uh, we could get for the for the listeners. And one that kind of jumped out at me a little bit was the the Galway to be leading a half time and Kilkenny to be winning a full time at nine to two. Obviously, Kilkenny are four to six. It's short enough price, which will be a, comp- a fairly competitive match. And Kilkenny, they can be slow starters at times. You know, Dublin got a run on them in the first game, and I mean Galway are probably under the most pressure here. Whereas Kilkenny are kind of sitting pretty at the top. Galway are going to have to come out absolutely firing here. There's a lot of talk about them not really playing well without Joe and who's going to step up and be a leader so I think there's a number of guys there that would be will be coming out with a lot of fire in their bellies so potentially Galway to, to get up at half time but Kilkenny to push on the second half at 9-2 could be a good one um, and one bet we've discussed before in the show a few times the either team to win by 1-4 to four or a draw is at 5-6 to six. now while well, Kilkenny the, the handicap's two points and I think it's going to be a very competitive game and I can't see either team pulling away so that might be one for people who just want to have something on the match without having to pick a team Yeah definitely you've got some TJ Reid uh, first goal scorers and any time goal scorer odds 
here as well. Yeah, again, so the, the money back special will apply here with the game being shown live. So TJ Reedy's been in a rich vein of a goal scoring form, and it's looking like Fenley probably won't play it's yeah. hard to tell at the moment but I mean I don't, I'm not sure if they're risking from the start anyway and I mean they'd be the two the two main men that you'd expect to get in there so TJ's 5-1 to one to score the first goal um, and then similarly to, to the Cork bet with Harnady if TJ scores a goal any time and Kenny win that's 21-10 to 10, so just over 2-1 to one for that which uh, you'd you have to think if Kenny are going to score a goal and they win the match TJ Reid's probably the, the main man that's going to get it yeah exactly and obviously if he, it's a money back special because it's on television right so if he's yeah, first exactly. score, score if he scores any time you get your money back Limerick 4 to 9 Clare 23 to 10 Jeez, you've you pushed Clare fairly well out based on last week's result anyways yeah, you're questioning their character the same as the pundits are well I think I think it's sort of equally uh, proportionally the same way that Limerick were so impressive as well I know look Waterford are brutal but I mean Limerick this is their second game at home this year they lost the first one they shown last weekend what they're about they really just totally dominated that game even when Waterford got a good start they didn't, they didn't panic they just sort of gr- grinded them out and really put them to the sword so um, I think that's kind of reflected in the odds there uh, four to nine, so I mean it's hard to pick Limerick just to win it, but I, I think they I think they played so well last weekend. And I think Clare are st- just flagging a little bit. I think they've been sort of figured out. They're just missing that spark, and I'm not sure where it's going to come from. So I think Limerick on that handicap at minus three, eleven to ten looks looks pretty decent. Um, and then as well as that, with Limerick half t- Limerick to lead in the halftime and to uh, win a full time is ten to eleven. It just gives not you a bit, bad one there. Just no. gives you a bit more like for that yeah. four that four to nine is not very generous in fairness. But if you're it's a Limerick not. backer, there there are a couple of ones that might be worth. Uh, might might be worth your few quid. Yeah, Shane O'Donnell first goal scorer and that be obviously money back special um is 15 to 2. Yeah, well, look, we have to we have to feature Clare's as in the NL at least, but uh, yeah, he's been sort of having a quietish championship, and I mean Clare's kind of similar to to go and a few other teams. They're going to have to come out firing, whether it means much or not in the end, it, we'll have to see. But I, I think Shane will definitely be a man they'll be looking to get the ball into and trying to get them get a bit of rhythm going and get them into the match. So him to be a first goal scorer, fifteen to two, with that money back special applying, uh, could be one for the for the Clare fans anyway. Okay, great stuff, Joe. All right, that's always time for we'll be back on Monday as usual, and we'll review all. The hurling from the weekend. Talk to you then. Good luck. The GA Hour with Colin Parkinson is brought to you by Paddy Power, home of the Money Back Special. And when I started running, I suppose I didn't stop. And when I got the chance to go, I said I'd stay going. So I opened up. We were only the small little fish out there, so we are, and uh, we're trying hard to make it through. But it's hard to get the brakes when you're the smaller fish. Because I love this county so much, you know. And it's just I'm delighted that the lads, the lads did it for the people of Waterford today because, like, I, I'm hard, I'm heartbroken. <laughs> Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.